Hello and welcome to In The Circle, an inside look at field hockey in the United States, a podcast that gets you closer to the athletes, staff, club administrators, coaches, umpires and fans of USA Field Hockey. Nice move this. Nice triangle of play. They thread it through here onto the right-hand side. Gonzalez again looks up. Well, it's a good opportunity getting here for USA to take the lead and they have. Harrow Sports is a proud and longtime sponsor of USA Field Hockey. Please go check out their website at harrowsports.com for all of your futures and field hockey needs. If you are a member of USA Field Hockey, don't forget to use your member code to receive a free elite backpack with the purchase of any field hockey stick, $150 and over. For more details, please log on to your USA Field Hockey account and click on member discounts to retrieve your code. Still get much more here. USA Paul Singh gets the second goal. Number 18, Paul Singh has got the second goal for USA. Uh, today, I am joined by USA field hockey legends. I have with me uh, Michelle Vitisse and Melissa Gonzalez. Ladies, thank you for joining me in the circle. First of all, I'm LOLing that you call those legends. <laughs> Does that make you older? Does it make you younger? Is legends a good thing? First of all, that's a heavy weight to hold. I'm not necessarily sure that that's the accurate uh, terminology that I would use, but um, makes me also feel a little bit old. It's also a midday pick-me-up. <laughs> uh, well, Self-esteem, uh, confidence, I'll come to you more. Uh, that's what it was there for. Um, <laughs> brilliant. If we can make a start, what about, I'm going to um, send this first question out to you, Michelle. How did you first get into field hockey? Oh, um, okay. So I first got into field hockey when, in a, around fifth grade. Um, for the majority of my um, life, I played roller hockey. So I actually played hockey on inline skates. Um, my father played in some rec leagues and traveled a lot to play. So he actually got me involved. I, I started to love the sport. Um, in fifth grade, one of my PE teachers of the school I was attending sixth through eighth grade. So the Quaker middle school I was going to attend, she saw me and was like, Hey, you know, I think you should try this out. I played it. I truly was so confused because you can only use one side of the stick. And in my career, I was um, used to using both sides, being able to dribble on the left side of my body as well, which um, yeah, was very different. And then, yeah, I just picked it up in middle school I made varsity in sixth grade and I, you know, after that just continued to play in high school and then obviously through college. Um, yeah. I think if you ask Michelle Batiste's mother, Patty Batiste, she was the real field hockey player in the family. She was. Throwback photo of her back like, I don't want to date her, but back in the day when she was looking fierce. Uh, I think it was around 77 or 76. We won't date her too much, but yeah, she did play. She claimed she was the best stroker on the team she was the goal scorer it's definitely where I get my confidence from I think but <laughs> excellent good story what about um yourself Melissa how did you get into hockey um so for me and my family sport was a big unifying uh system for us so I had three older sisters um much older than me uh, they're gonna really slam me for calling them old but uh, 12 8 and 6 years apart from myself and I just wanted to mimic them. They were kind of my idols. So they all played soccer. Soccer was my first sport. I had grown up playing since I was five. I was convinced I was gonna play in college. Soccer was my path. But then two of the three sisters picked up field hockey and uh, I kind of became their little um, 
companion, their sidekick, and I would follow them around to the fields. And then we didn't really have club structure. So I was just really just doing summer camps and middle school kind of competitions. And then high school rolled around and I was just like, nope, I refuse to play field hockey. And in hysterical fashion, my mom, knowing me, kind of put the grit test together. I was like, you have to go. You have to go for at least a week. And so I showed up for a week. The first day I was kind of dragging, unhappy to be there. And by the seven days I was committed. And I guess the rest is history. And I decided to make my life feel hockey. So thanks to Yolanda. Appreciate her. I think it's really interesting how both of you entered the sport via, but via other sports. I think that's a, a real maybe lesson. I think sport, field hockey, especially nowadays, is such an early specialization sport. And both of you have taken skills that you've learned from soccer and from roller hockey, and I'm sure applied them in that, that early stage of learning. Yeah, I feel like the concepts are very similar. Obviously, with soccer, it's the same, so, virtually the same size pitch with the same numbers where hockey it's super not sport specific but like skill set specific so ball carrying position is relatively similar the ability to like you know put the ball in a position and use your body um in a different kind of way but almost to i don't know create some variation in, in ball carrying position and it really just conceptually same thing you have to defend the full pitch you have to attack the full pitch you are highly involved there's only four players on the courts or the uh, the rink. Sorry. I've been so, <laughs> but it's, you know, conceptually it's similar. And I do, I think that is a massive thing moving forward that some athletes, some young athletes do miss out on. Um, I also think like the functional movement patterns that I'm picking up at a younger age at five from playing soccer, the feints, the fakes, the body sways, like all of yeah. that is there's a lot of transference between the sports and, gives me a different perspective too. Like sometimes you have those aha moments when you just put it in a different context and your thought process isn't as clouded. So I think it was good because I was able to make those comparisons and understanding. Oh, totally. I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, I think sort of playing multi-sports growing up is a good way. And it certainly beats that, that burnout that is always sort of lingering over for those, those early specialization goals. Um, what about, so we've gone through how you got into the sport. Can you go through, uh, Melissa, sort of your journey from that player that was got bitten by the hockey bug through to, through to the international player that you became? Oh my God, this is awesome. I'm going to sound like such a kook, but um, I played with the Futures program. I'm really fortunate to, I think, play at like a level one site. Um, I had a great mentor with my high school coach, Sharon Sarson. She's still a great person. I love her to death. She really um, set the bar and standards high for me and what I wanted to achieve. Um, I was fortunate to go through the pipeline at that time, making some tournaments down at Virginia Beach back in the day when it was at Virginia Beach. Um, made some selections. Uh, again, was pretty um, hell-bent on playing soccer and being from New York, you know, it's pretty much predominant Pennsylvania. I'm doing air quotes for those that can't see me sport because uh, that's the hotbed and obviously I respect that, but from a player who's kind of anxious and I like to be a part of the group dynamic, there was a lot of uncertainty around that. So when I would make some selections, sometimes I would just conveniently get sick during those tournaments and so, <laughs> which is really embarrassing and honestly a lot of it stemmed from just the insecurities of maybe I'm not good enough and at that point I think I had a really fixed mindset and reflection of that versus the growth mindset um, and so for me I would make those teams and I just wouldn't go 
And I was fortunate in that there were people that kept offering me the opportunity. And um, I had gone through the passing of my father. And at that time, uh, that was kind of a real, again, aha moment. And it was like, kind of put life into perspective. And I changed my mindset into one of growth and opportunity. And that's when I started actually just doing the things that made me uncomfortable, which was showing up, not knowing anyone, forging those relationships. How do I get better? Um, and welcoming those setbacks. So for me, that's kind of where it went. And then I started making the U21 team. From there, I made the developmental team and then gradually made my way onto the U.S. women's national team. Certainly. I, do you know what? The biggest thing I've learned sort of having being involved in this podcast and interviewing players is despite what you think, it, it's not a linear journey. Some people think that it's just so set out in like that the being the players you are with the caps that you've got, that your journey was just so set in front of you. And it really isn't that case. Every single person has, has had to come and, and deal with, get to problems and obstacles and, and find their way to navigate around them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting because you always get these snaps final product and the results and you think that oh it's just so easy but I think the growth and the process and the obstacles become the path and for me I think that's what I've really enjoyed the most and what I've learned and taken away from the experience. Fantastic Michelle what about yourself how did you how did you go what was your journey to the national team? Um, in terms of trajectory it was virtually similar um, from college I was selected oh, I guess I can start prior before that a little bit. Um, yeah, through, I started with the Futures program, actually. Um, was fortunate, like like Melissa, to play at the level one site. Um, had a lot of exposure to different coaches. You know, being in, we're lucky to be in a hot bed where, you know, New Jersey was a great, was a great site. I played against really great competition. Um, a lot of coaches actually stick out to me and being part of, you know, part of the group of people that trained me. Um, but then like Melissa, I made some NFCs. It wasn't a camp and B camp when I was there. It was, um, no, what was, what was the, the selection camp, just junior national camp. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, so, at, at Babson college. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so, Babson college trials. Yes. Yeah. So we actually had from the NFC tournament would be selected to participate in, you know, junior Olympics. And I was fortunate enough to play in only one of those. Um, which, you know, was in, it's interesting looking back, like only one I, I was actually only selected for. Um, then, yeah, made it through some of the um, junior programs. I think, I'm, I think I made a U16 team once. Um, to be honest with you, looking back, I don't really remember much about certain, certain things. Um, I just know that I had kind of, you know, been selected through to the U21 program. I played in a U21 Junior World Cup. Um, at Harvard in Boston, or to yeah, Harvard, Ma. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I should really be better at this. Um, but no, I, I competed in that, and then from there, obviously through college, I was selected as a developmental player. I think in two thousand and nine, maybe, mm -hmm. um, and then made the squad selection in twenty ten, and then I took off the year to um, I took a leave of absence from the University of Virginia and trained out in San Diego, picked up, you know, moved out there, kind of so unbelievably scared to do this, but we did it. There was a large group of us that chose to do this. Um, and then, yeah, kind of from there, it starts with our path. Like you said, we got caught the hockey bug and kind of committed our lives and our well-being and, you know, all of our dreams and passions into this very scary and very tumultuous um, 
Olympic journey. Yeah. And if I can just quickly interject, like looking back on that journey, I think it's important even now, just the moment of gratitude as Michelle had identified, like a lot of the coaches sometimes now as we've transitioned into our role as a coach, that we have the privilege of coaching alongside and using as mentors, like they helped shape us to get to that point. Like a Tracy Fuchs, a Pam Stuper, Ainsley Lamb, Michelle Madison, Juzzy, Carla, Paul, like the list goes on and on. And a lot of times being an athlete, you're so self-absorbed and involved that you don't realize the impact that these people have. And I think they had a huge impact, at least in my journey. I can't speak for Michelle, but I'm sure she would also acknowledge that, that they have committed their time and their resources to the development. So I'd like to say, and hopefully they want to claim me, but if they don't, I'm just somewhat of a byproduct of them. They would certainly claim me. <laughs> I don't know. It's risky. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of annoying. It, no, I mean, it's, it is true. It is a, it's a fair point. When you're young and you're kind of blissfully unaware of all the realities that kind of go into your development, you're kind of just go, not going through the motions, but there's, it's, it's such a new stressor. It's such a new stimulus that you're kind of like overwhelmed with it all. Um, and obviously hindsight is 2020 and you can always look back like, so that, that I think is an interesting point. Like it is, there has been so, there are college coaches that still to this day are very, very, very pivotal in our journey. Um, even if like, you know, it was three tournaments or three training environments, like our exposure to them, to the level, to the language, to the standards that they held us to. I mean, that all kind of shaped us as you know yeah and um so that that, that, that I, that's a good point Mel. i hadn't really thought about that until now especially us michelle we're not you know the easiest by any means we like to know and understand and have a comprehension <laughs> too many questions and the rules and we're trying for competitors we want to figure out a way and so yeah that is true and i guess some of those people are people you still lean on now in your with your coaching hat on yeah yeah definitely I think that's what's so cool about the community is that, you know, everyone knows each other and they're pretty much willing to help and assist and pick their brain and be resources for us as we step into that role. No, totally. A, a, an exciting new journey. What about if we go back to your time with the, the national team? Can you pick out one or two favorite memories that you have with the national team? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I could pick out a period. I think, like the rebuild after London was one of the most critical moments and time periods of my playing career and just life in general, to be honest. No, I would definitely second that. I think there were some pretty incredible moments, but I was actually asked to reflect on this as well. Um, a friend of mine asked me to, to reflect on this for her. And to be honest, like it wasn't, it really wasn't winning a Pan Am gold medal. Like I, I, that was incredible, but it was more so there was like four or five instances. Mel and I still laugh about this. There was like four or five instances where we reflected on the most challenging days that we had ever endured as a human, human being, not just as an athlete, like as a human being. And when you reflect on those and you, all you can remember is just like actually this feeling of insane accomplishment and reward at the end of those days. And we used to have this phrase, like, you know, just another Tuesday. And those moments honestly stick out more to me. And I miss those more than like the weight of a gold medal. Like, and I think that we were so fortunate, not only in that period, but then to have the athletes that 
you know, we were able to share those experiences with. And I think that has shaped me as a human being, as a, you know, coach, as a friend, as a mom, eventually, like, hopefully, who knows, but I mean, (laughs) it definitely shaped like my perspective on life. And, you know, if you want to get somewhere that no one else is going to get to or willing to go, then you got to really take the hardest road to get there. If you really and I guess those moments are when you really, you've got nowhere to hide. It's just, oh you there and it's just, you're asking yourself serious questions. Am I good enough for this? Am I, am I capable of this? Do I want will this I survive? <laughs> like this is, yes, am I good enough? But like, will I survive? Like, will I be able to get through this moment? And you do, and you do, and you are able to do that. Like not like individually at the end of that, the thoughts that go through your head are absolutely insane. They're insane. But I would have loved to journal at that time and reflect. Because oh my goodness! It would have. We could have written honestly a novel. Spectrum in which they move. Like one moment you're elated, the next you're in extreme despair. Like, and then just so many different-minded, backgrounded people, like all uniting and just the love that you feel for them through that experience and that journey, knowing that they also camaraderie that's it creates it's just so multifaceted like if I were to look at in a sequence of my career as like a book like that was the middle and like I think each chapter like you take something away but for me that's a big focus and a principle that I'm grateful to have experienced through Craig the staff the, the teammates the auxiliary staff everyone because to Michelle's point like I walk away from this I know in my mindset that I can legitimately survive and outwork anybody or anything it's just like a card in my back co- pocket when I'm doubting myself, like I have this. And it's cool that like with that player group, I can not talk to someone for like three months and then see a photo of their baby and just, <laughs> they're, they're also my baby, even though like that makes no logical sense, but it's just that companionship. We are, we are like blessed. So very thankful. And I have, a, you know, I'm, there's a lot of gratitude that I have for that period of my life. That's, that's very good to hear. What about, let's go focus on the Olympics because both of you were involved and can you look back at any memories or feelings or emotions you had around the Olympic games? Um, obviously the first Olympics is going to be very different than the second. Um, just in, I think in my own experience in Mel, you cannot, this is like, I'm speaking for myself on this. I don't have to speak for Mel on this. Like, I felt overwhelmed in the first one and almost like kind of so excited, so anxious, but also I was 20, I mean, uh, 22, 21, Mel? No. Yeah. I had just graduated college, so I had been like 22. Yeah. So just when you think about the difference in age and difference in experience, like I said. And just general maturity, yeah. Yeah, general, like overall, I felt like that first Olympics, I was in over my head. Um, I would also probably like to apologize just because, again, the maturity component, you don't really know what to expect with that first one. There's that unknown, whereas like the second, to Michelle's point, there was a clear definition of a mission that we were on. Like we were there to... We had set out our goals. We were there to podium. We were there to do our best. And it was a collective effort. Yeah. And I think the almost experience that we had had, not only in competing in a Champions Trophy and another Pan Ams, um, in a World Cup, in, like all of those key moments um, had definitely prepared us in a way that I had not ex- 
experience prior to that. And I think that as U.S. US athletes, when comparing it to the European countries who are playing in clubs and in, in, in so many games and so many key moments of their life, like nothing had prepared me for that second Olympics like the experience did. And, and like not the, the training, like very, very, very different scenarios leading up to it. So, um, yeah, and just obviously the emotions surrounding the two um, are different because of the preparation that was taken um, and almost the maturity and the sacrifice, dedication, and commitment that we put towards that second one. Um, also, just the management of so many different variables as well. So, like London versus a Rio, those logistics, uh, to Michelle's yeah. point, the maturity, but I think just overall, like the moments that I just can recall back on is just the celebrations. And it's funny, you can't really remember pinpoint specific games, but I can vividly remember both times, like the national anthem being played and just having our hands around our teammates. Like those are the moments that I just still give me kind of that chill factor at the risk of being cheesy. But Um, I remember like certain, I'm obviously like a glass half empty kind of human being. I don't know what it is about me, but I do remember one of those vivid moments of the Olympics is Alex Danson diving on the far post in the GB game. And all we had to do was tie. Literally all we had to do was tie. And she's world-class. She, I mean, just the, Oh, she's brilliant. She is such a brilliant hockey player. I'm in awe of her. And I just remember like this bravery and this trust. And she just dove right on the backhand, left hand on the ground all wet just because of her commitment and like you just oh that goal crushed us and like just looking back I mean that's a moment that I'm like wow those are the moments you prepare for and we were just you know together collectively there was a series of mistakes that we had made prior to that um and I, I do remember that specifically that moment um I also remember some key moments in the Germany game which um obviously you know Glass half empty. Like I said, I reflect back on those things that I think I talked about this before. Like I always reflect back on the things that I didn't accomplish rather than the things that I did. And I think that, I think that's human nature though. Like I can still vividly remember scoring a goal for Australia. So (laughs) that makes me feel better. Like there's ups and downs, there's natural ebbs and flows. And I think that probably is what makes you or made you elite in that capacity is that you why you gotta be made? Why you gotta be made? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also think what was cool was pool play. Like pool play. Like I think we had a relatively difficult pool. You know, you have Australia, you have Argentina, right? We had um, GB. Um, GB. Did we have India and Japan? India and Japan. Yes, thank you. I'm like reflecting back. Well done. Well, really well done. I remember, like as we were building momentum, like you know you you say like, yes, we're confident, we're this, we're that, we've, we've practiced this, we're controlling the controllables, but there's still that, pardon my French, holy shit factor where you're like, oh my God, like this is happening. Like these dreams, these things that I've worked my entire life for are coming to fruition as well. And I think it's cool when like, yeah, it's like me, but like we had a great unified sense of we and United. No, and I certainly get that feeling. And I've been looking at lots of the video of uh, Rio recently for as part of the future. So I've been looking at all of those games in detail. So it's, uh, it's interesting to, to have a chat to you guys uh, about it, to be honest. Well, if you ever want to provide your, you know, feedback, better, I'd love to hear it. There was a key moment in my life where I had a 
watched the game for probably six, seven, maybe no, maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was like five months. And then one day I just put on Jeremy and I got on the treadmill and I was like, we're just going to watch this and we're just going to watch it in full. And, you know, I was definitely at a place where I was like, do I want to do this again? Am I recommitting to this? So there was, you know, with, with loss and with trial and tribulation, you, you have to re, you have to show up again. And I think that, you know, that's a definitely one of the, overlooked parts of being an Olympic athlete is you sacrifice so much and um, not overlooked, but I think it's maybe under addressed, if that makes sense. Um, the fact of having to like constantly re-show up. There is one winner. Like there is one winner. You train four years for one event, like truly one moment that comes down to like, especially where we were, like when we were kind of knocking on the door of the world's best, like there are few moments that we, you know, didn't capitalize on that ended up in a fifth place finish versus a third. And I don't know. I think that looking back on that is, it's crazy. It's so insane. And yeah, gives me anxiety all over again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think people only, it's easy for people. I see it a bit like an iceberg. People only see the little bit that's sticking, sticking out of the water. They don't recognize the work, the sacrifice, the missed birthday parties, the missed weddings and whatever else, because you're traveling around and, and making those sacrifices and and happy to do so. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, What about, so we've kind of touched on it. What about, are there any things that you miss about being a professional athlete? Oh, that I do miss? Sorry, that you do not miss. That you do not. Miss. Yes, that you do not miss. It's um, a really tough question because I think it's hard in that context because it's such a unique time in your life. And obviously during those times, you're like, I dread this, I dread that, I dread this. But then once you remove that kind of stimulus, you're like, oh, I kind of miss that weird, off, odd thing that I really didn't necessarily like at the time. But I think for, for me, to your point, um, it's kind of like you have to be selfish. You have to be cognizant of what you're doing, what you're consuming, where your time and energy is spent. Um, So it's kind of selfish because you have to give to your team, but um, the things that you've missed, obviously, like for me, I'm a big familial person. So um, births, baptisms, communions, um, my mom's retirement party, like those are the things that I won't get back. And it was really difficult at the time for me to conceptualize and, but also the understanding that they knew that about me and they supported me in that. So it's nice to kind of have that back. Um, so the along, also the long travel days, like where you're gone for like a month possibly and you're in Australia and that's a great, and you're spending time with your teammates, but you're also again, being a familial person, like missing those people that you love and care about. So I do miss that though. Like I miss those times of camaraderie, but I think, I'm just now selfish in a different capacity. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably kind of reiterate what Mel said. It's, it definitely wasn't easy. I mean, I'm now married to the person I was with throughout this whole thing and he's incredible and I love him so much, but we like, you know, there was, it was difficult to, you know, carry on in a relationship where I was incredibly selfish um, because I, we, we really couldn't travel. I was putting my body first. I was putting my rest first. I was putting a lot of things first that actually where he came second. And I think that, you know, when you're in a relationship, it should always, you know, you should be partners and things should be equal. But I think there are periods of time where, you know, that, that was challenging. Um, I, I had a different journey than Mel. And I think what's interesting about this is like Mel's the 
like the youngest of, you know, all of her siblings. So they were all going through having children and bringing new life into this world. And her, her mom is a little bit older than mine. So she was retiring. And I think that there were very different, um, things that she was having to sacrifice at, to mine. But I mean, my youngest sister was still in college. I wanted to be present as much as I possibly could. And that took a toll. I wasn't able to do that. Um, being a really big part of my sister's life. I mean, both of us are very, very, very family oriented and our families mean the world to us. Um, so I think there were certain things like I, I, I miss my, um, like my Nathan's mom, like my husband, my Nathan, sorry. I miss my <laughs> mom's wedding. And you know, like that to me was crazy. It was just the amount of things and that you have to sacrifice for the people that you love the most in this world. Um, that's definitely, yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. But again, like it's kind of selfish. Um, but I would, I would do it. We would both do it all over. Like there would be no thought. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we would do it all over. But I think the cool thing with our group is that like you sacrificed, I sacrificed and we acknowledged that and none was neither greater nor less. And so it was like the admiration of your sacrifice put fire and generated even more so our passion to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. Oh, absolutely. And it connected you in a way where we both knew deep down that you know, it was a challenge, but we had each other to lean on and we had each other to talk to. And there was a very specific, um, trust and element of honesty in this group where there were culture meetings where people would be bawling, like literally crying. And I think some of them are me, but, um, either way it was just 99% of them were Michelle, just quick asterisks there. <laughs> no, you just, but you had this understanding and this almost psychological ability. Yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So it brought us together in a way that was like supremely special. Um, so Especially we, people from such different paths and backgrounds, like a Jill Whitmer, a Rachel, a KK, a Paige, a you, a me, like the Rhyme Prex, um, Cranny, a oh Jane, God, yeah. Murray, a Manly, like the list goes on and on. It's so cool that everyone was at such different phases, but we're, we were able to get to that unifying thing. Yeah. Very good. I expect that just to be 3015. I wrote that question. I was like, they're going to say 3015. <laughs> oh, God. No, to be honest with you, like I debate still running it because I'm insane and I want to see where I am <laughs> physically. Um, but no, I mean, I love it though. Cause like the mindset of what doesn't break you makes you. And like <laughs> times during that where like, I was like, Oh man, but I'm pretty spiteful. And I tried to use that to my advantage. Very <laughs> We were running this, so I'm going to really run this and give it my best. It's just a how I framed things. It was such a gift to walk outside and see those cones. There's a couple of times where I told, I'm pretty sure I told Dave this. I had imagery of me like, anyone ever see, um, what's the movie? <sighs> mean Girls, where she like has that moment oh. where she jumps on the lunch table and is like beating the car. Like that's like what I thought about Dave Hamilton's vehicle. Like his yeah. little land, land Rover. I was like, oh, I would love to take my hockey stick to that. Uh, and that was <laughs> inspiring. But I feel like that's, that's like interesting. Like there, I, I, I don't know. I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. Like that was brought on from this, un, like this un, incredible respect for a human being that was so like pushing the boundaries. That was, that was pushing you to the edge to the point where like you kind of, wanted to kill them. <laughs> you just love him though. Yeah. Now you look back and you're like, you know, that was like the, I would never respect someone 
these days who like didn't challenge me. Like truly who didn't say, this is what you're capable of achieving. And I'm going to make you understand that this is a physical possibility for you and you have to get there. And I think that that, that's really, that's, you know, an interesting part about that journey is like, yeah, as much as we were annoyed and we complained, it was looking back, it was probably one of the most, yeah, respected pieces of my part as an athlete was I was, yeah, being given these unbelievable standards to reach, but I could. And I did eventually, it just took forever, but it, it was cool. That was a cool part of it too. And I'm sure that galvanized you, like you went through that journey, but everyone else, it galvanized you in those moments that you, that's why you could step onto that, uh, that pitch at the Olympics with such confidence that you've been through some tough times and you're quite happy and confident what you're going to do on the pitch right now. Yeah, absolutely. I also think like it's just human nature, right? Like we, we reserve, we don't necessarily like discomfort. Then you put fatigue, hunger, a lot of different emotions into the bag. Um, and then you're just like, there's always going to be resistance. But I think that staff did a really good job of being clear and tentful of like, this is our mission. This is how we're going to get there because we're competitors at the end of the day we want to optimize our time, right? Like, so if you're telling me that, like, look, between month one and month three, look at all of this advantageous growth you've had, I'm in. Yeah, buy-in was so, yeah, that was a huge piece of the buy-in, was, like, major gains were made. And not only individually, but collectively, like, the data that was presented to us, it was, like, it was a very, very cool thing to see. Um, like our, yeah. Totally. Um, take us a little bit into the, your mindset before and when you're preparing for a game. How do you prepare? How did you two prepare for a game? Was it pretty similar? Was it different? Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, um, I think. Oh, let me think about this. Mel, do you know how you prepared? Yeah, I think for me, like having known that I had done the previous work was a good confidence boost for me. Uh, for me, my focal points were like knowing three really good internal controllables that regardless of how the game ebbed and flowed. So I would review those kind of in my mind. I'm a very like uh, emotionally driven player and just person. So I had to make sure I was kind of operating in the right zone. I couldn't get too high too quickly or too low like just because then I would just flatline. Um, so for me, I think it was just like listening to my playlist. I would go out with the team. We would play some hacky sack, come back in. Obviously, we would have already done the work. We would have had already primed. So making sure I got good touches, um, talking to the people I needed to set myself up for success and set them up for success, knowing my roles in the defensive. Um, yeah, the defensive corner unit and attacking all of that stuff. So kind of just going through kind of my mental checklist if that makes sense I reiterate that is like brilliantly put um in terms of the preparation piece we would prime like all of that I felt very prepared going into the game so there was no anxiety around like um am I ready like that there, were, there was no anxiety around that and I think that that's really critical when preparing like you want to make sure that you tick all of the boxes when you're preparing for not only a major tournament but for games in college high school games. I mean, obviously like the almost intensity that you're preparing could be a little bit different, obviously than preparing for an Olympics. But, um, I think that that's a really, really great point. Um, I love that you said that. And then I was thinking even additionally, like I was part of this process with us and through my maturity and my development, 
I really started to understand what my strengths were as a player. And um, I would always play to those strengths and always like in my mind reinforce. And I had this like really strange during the anthem. Um, I started to embrace mindfulness a little bit when I, when I was a player towards the end of my career. Um, I just started to like slow things down and kind of get present. And there was a couple of times where I would integrate like mindfulness into that um, prior to the game. So then when the national anthem came on, I would just kind of positively reinforce myself with like, what were my strengths? Yeah. And like, I just remember a couple of things. I always had like a little bracelet. I know I was like 26 and beating, I know crazy. Um, but I had like a bracelet that would be like, um, like resilient or I'm trying to think what else it said. I think it was like strength. And I would just repeat to myself, like, you are, you are so, like, you are resilient. Like, no matter what you come in contact with this game, like, you will be fine. So I just remember having those moments. And then I would always, like, really try to play to my speed, um, try to play to my ability to outwork people and just remember those key moments that, like, yeah. So that, that, that was a little bit different. Um, I also drank coffee and took a nap. So, yeah. Honestly, there's that sign to get the right optimization, as Katsharki would call it, of castration. Enough of a lot of water. In water, yeah. So, but I think to identify and work off of Michelle's kind of um, point is that, like, I think one of the most underutilized skills is just visualization. Because I would very much similarly run through a Rolodex of like touches. All right, I'm going to turn everybody over. What am I doing? First play, play positive, work yourself in. If all else fails. All right, just work rate, work rate, work rate. So I think that was also kind of something that I used and had in my back pocket. Two great messages. And I think like they're really good to hear you girls speaking about just going back to playing to your strengths. I think it's something that's so easy for a young hockey player to think about. I've got to do these things I'm not capable of doing, but hearing players like yourselves talk about staying within your bubble, doing the things that you can do and do them really well. And that's what you bring to the team. And that's why you're there. And that's why you've been selected is is really, really good to hear. I think it's a really good message. Um, If you wouldn't mind, talk to me briefly about your roles now. You're both um, coaching in college hockey. If you just uh, give me an idea of what you're doing, what you're up to. Uh, Melissa, kick us off. All right. So um, pretty fortunate. I'm at Wake um, with Jen. She's been at the helm for a while. She's very experienced season. So um, from my perspective, I'm pretty fortunate to have her as a mentor. Um, She management is superb knowing what and when to say the right things. Uh, Jackie has just come into our staff. um, So it's pretty cool to have that peer relationship with her as well. Um, Right now, I just, my specific role is kind of being flexible with the unknown surrounding everything that's going on. Um, You know, the girls are on a lot of web calls. And so it's how do we serve, right? Like that's kind of our uh, philosophy is kind of servitude. Um, my personal philosophy and the philosophy of why I think I fit into Wake is just very much relationship-based coaching, understanding where the girls are, and kind of creating a roadmap and belief system as to how they get there. So it's very wordy, and hopefully I'm doing a good job at that. I'm sure that the players will definitely let me know and rip into me if I'm not. <laughs> oh my um, so similar to Mel, I'm also an assistant. I work at Temple University in Philadelphia. Um, I am also blessed to uh, work for Susan Chufo. Um, she's a year older than I am. A pretty, she is like a, a great deal of experience um, turning programs around and leading under her belt. Um, and I'm not only fortunate enough to work for, for her, like I, I truly feel like the environment is working with her. Um, she's created a really 
really great environment around the athletes um, and around, you know, turning the program around. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a really exciting journey. She gives me a ton of autonomy as a coach when I'm when I'm developing my philosophy and the way that I you know want to play. We converse about everything, um, so I'm so fortunate and blessed to not only work for her, but and I'm also learning from her, which is incredible. Like learning so much, um, and just the way that she manages and the way that she you know interacts with all these players. It's a truly player centric environment. Um, so learning so much about how to manage people, which I'm obviously very inexperienced in doing. And yeah, just, you know, bringing a group of athletes and creating a culture around something that you're, you want to achieve similar to Mel. I mean, really, um, cool thing is that it's just like, we're learners. And yeah. Like now we're just in a different role in a different capacity and we're still trying to figure out and sort how with this new hat, we can still learn and teach and it's just a different role. And so I think we're both in pretty good places to, to do that. Yeah, I also am lucky, like Mel said, to have a peer relationship with the other assistant who is my sister, who is Carissa. Um, and obviously, you know, the group, like I said, is, is remarkable. We're very ambitious, super um, inquisitive, and always looking for ways to learn, like Melissa said. So um, yes, I am very fortunate. I am grateful for the opportunity that Temple um, and Susan both provided me. So, yeah. Excellent. And if we could, uh, we could finish up. If you had uh, a piece of advice that you'd want to give to a, a young player with aspirations of playing for the national team or making the Olympics, what would you give that, that advice to? What would you say, Michelle? I have a couple of things. Go for it. <laughs> um, well, first, I think probably one of the biggest roadblocks in my journey was like, I thought I knew everything. And um, looking now, if I potentially would have been more open-minded at a young age, would I have excelled at an earlier age? Would I have been in a different position? Um, you know, I yeah, just would I have taken on a different role at some point? And I think um, it would have probably made me a better player for a longer period of time. But in in the same vein, I think um, the other thing with that is never, ever, ever let anybody outwork you. Like always be the hardest person, the hardest working and the hardest, always be the hardest working person in the room. Um, and then thirdly, it's just like, don't be afraid of failure. And everyone says that. And we're always like, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Like, no, seriously, like, don't. Like I've fallen on my face a million times. The amount of times I whiffed in a, a like, truly in an Olympic training environment and people laugh and they make fun of you. And guess what? You do it again. And sometimes you connect. I think like Mel said early on when she started to like get outside of her comfort zone and showing up um, was when like things started to happen. And that's been probably the biggest thing that I've learned and would want, you know, young athletes to know. Excellent. Three really good pieces of advice. Sorry. I, I am not a, <laughs> I'm just too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Melissa? Um, I'm just going to piggyback off of what Michelle um, said. I think failure a lot of times is avoided. I think that there's a negative stigma with failure. I try and frame it that you're not unique. Failure is going to happen. It's how you respond. So that resiliency to it. Um, for me, in, early in my career, I went with avoidance, which was definitely not the way to go. I think it's being strategic, learning, 
understanding, seeking advice from people you trust and not people that are going to tell you what you want to hear. That tough love of like, this is the truth. So I think like the, the people you surround yourself with are equally important. But I'm, I think like the growth mindset, like buy in and love the process, because if you don't, then you, you're not going to love where you end up. And I've been fortunate where I have a lot of shortcomings and, you know, I could have done this and I would have done this or differently in, in reflection. But I think like, how lucky am I to even have those positions to put myself in? So I think, again, it's just mindset. Mindset is everything and resiliency and the way you attack things. I think what's so funny, though, is when you, you say luck, like that, it wasn't luck. Like, you know, you, yes, you may have been blessed with like a very specific skill set at a very young age, you know, Yolanda and Felix blessed you, girl, but <laughs> at the end of the what day, you all, right? it, it was like truly you, like what you were willing to do, the work you were willing to put in. And I think that like, as much as luck does, it does play a part in it. I mean, that is true. Like, um, but I think it's more than that. So I think that, yes, you're lucky, but you also worked. I, I put in some sweat equity along the way. Oh, I think the luck so was that I had very good people to help course me into the path I needed. I mean, like community wise, coaches wise, um, people I wanted to wise, meet. Yeah. Like they set me straight when I was veering off the path. And I think that's why the growth mindset's important, putting yourself in uncomfortable positions. But if you start hanging out with chickens, you're going to start clucking. So be careful with the company you keep. It's yeah. I mean, that is true. Totally. And I think to, to echo that point, if anything has come through from this conversation, it's that you two were more than prepared to put the work in. And it's amazing that that the Jordan quote of the, the, the luckier, the more he trains, the luckier he gets. And I think with you two, it seems to be the case. You certainly, it shines out the, that you were embraced the hard work and embraced the grind um, as much as possible. And that took you the places that you wanted to go. I will say though, I was not willing at first. Yeah. I think that's a very important thing to get from this as well is like, I didn't just show up and say, Oh, here we go. Like I'll go to the pain cave and I'm dragging these people with me. No, I was like, Mel was like one of the ones dragging me. Like I can remember like Cran when I was such a immature, like annoying person. And I, she would just be like, you got to do this. Like, what are you thinking? And I just remember players bless our older players yeah and just like wanting to like almost like love you so much that they wanted to I don't know what maybe beat us but like you know that we needed that we needed that because at the end of it like Melissa said like human nature you always want to reserve like it's it's you're never going to go to your maximal and I think that in order to embrace that like we needed the push we needed the shove and I think that that kind of that tough love, like put us in a, in the position that we're in. And again, couldn't have done it without the teammates. As no, well. I never, I would have, I would have never been the person I was without like the Mel, my family and the coaches and the players. And I don't know. So I don't want you to think that like, I was like all of us, this was my, this was who I was when I was 21. No, you can ask Michelle Madison. She would. <laughs> there were some instances where michelle would cry in the shower not to not to call her out but i think it's important everyone knows michelle used to cry in the shower (laughs) shaggy could attest to that she uh i think (laughs) saw you one time remember she's like yeah yeah go ahead ask ask, uh caroline about that and uh no but i think that those are the great moments honestly yeah they're the ones that i thank you for reminding me of such 
low moments in my life where I was I'm here for. Thanks. Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Michelle, Melissa, it's been great to talk to you. It's been great to get an insight into that period of USA hockey, sort of that sort of 2010 to 2016 period, 17 period. Um, and I think, yeah, it's been something I've thoroughly enjoyed doing. So thank you for your, very much for your time. Thank you for putting up with us. No, <laughs> no worries. It's a joy. And don't get too good at those 30 15s. Otherwise, you might be getting a call. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you very much for allowing us to even enjoy, you know, reflecting on playing the with glory each other. Days, yeah. yeah, the glory days. It's been, it's been, it's been really fun. Thanks. Oh, thank you, girls. Stay safe. You as well. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Join Harrow Sports as they present homeskilling. Harrow will be releasing instructional videos from players and coaches around the world to encourage players to stay active during this period of social distancing. Get your whole family involved. Harrow is offering a free second stick and ball with all qualifying stick purchases over $100. Visit Harrow's website at harrowsports.com to get involved. Looking in a stride here by Gregor. Oh, lovely bit of work here by Gregor. Can she get it on the score sheet? Across the goal there from Gregor. Well, it's another solo goal here. Thank you for joining us on In the Circle. Come back next week for another look inside USA field hockey.